Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. You are dialed into Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Aki with you until 10 o'clock on this morning. Syracuse taking on Notre Dame in just a couple of hours here at the Carrier Dome today. That should be a fun one. I'll break that game down and more in a little bit with Logan Grossman from The Fizz. I'll get to all my Syracuse Wake Forest thoughts in just a couple of seconds, and then we'll also touch on a little bit of Syracuse football recruiting, some big news for the Orange. Big name might be coming to SU next season in the class of 2018. And then we'll wrap things up as we always do with Fizz Feedback. And as always, you can check us out on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter. You can find us Orange Fizz. Also on SoundCloud if you want more Fizz Radio episodes like this one, podcasts, exclusive interviews, and more. Check us out on iTunes by searching Orange Fizz. And be sure to subscribe. Get all the latest ones, all the latest episodes and stuff like that sent right to your phone, you'll get that that notification anytime a new Fizz Radio episode or any of our content is released. And as always, check out our wonderful website, orangefizz.net, for all the latest SU scoops and content. We've got it for you here on the Fizz. So the Orange, a very tough loss to Wake Forest the other day. 73-67 to the final. Not what you want out of a team that's going up against a Wake Forest team that was on the downswing. I mean, this Demon Deacons team is just not very good. They lose their best player in the first half due to injury. I mean, the Deacons already with losses to Georgia Southern, Liberty, Drake, Houston. They cut it close with Illinois, and then they have a a tough three-game stretch. Tennessee at UNC and Syracuse and you figure at the downstretch of a tough three-game stretch like that you're you're destined for a third loss after already losing to Tennessee and UNC but nope this Wake Forest team I mean they did all it could to try to let Syracuse back into the game at the end off with missed free throws and and uh, some dumb fouls and, and just bad play overall and Bad defense, Syracuse clawed its way back, and you have to give them credit in a game that it seemed like they were dead in the water for the final two minutes, but in the end, just some very poor play on both sides. This was a sloppy play basketball game, to be honest. It was was entertaining down the stretch, but it certainly left you, you hoping for a little bit more, but I mean... You can't lose to a Wake Forest team that came into this one seven and six already with bad losses. You're twelve and two coming into this game, and then you go out and lay an egg in pretty much every single facet of the game. Your calling card is rebounding. You get out rebounded in this one by nine against a Wake Forest team that yes, it has some size, and Syracuse was really battling down there, but Pascal Chukwu not a Great rebounder given his size, only five in this game. Matt Moyer, again, he's showing the hustle in, in the rebounding department, eight. O'Shea Brissett gives you seven, but you're going to need to find something else because the depth, it, it's killing Syracuse again. You look at the bench in this game. 
You get nine minutes out of Marek Dolezal. You, you absolutely throw away any thoughts of a Barama Sadibe redshirt, which we'll get to in Fizz Feedback. He only plays three minutes, but it counts because he came in the game. And then Howard Washington plays for three minutes in this one. Zero bench points. All your offense coming from the starting lineup and all your offense being very generous because there wasn't very much given from Syracuse in this ball game. So Syracuse was the better team heading into this one. In all facets of the game, you look top to bottom. You had the best player on the floor in Tyus Battle. He gets into some foul trouble out of the gate, and that really kind of stunts Syracuse moving forward in that one. And it was just a poorly played game by the Orange, especially in the shooting department. You you look at, I mean, 42% not bad from the field, and 39% pretty good, but you've got three alphas on your team in Tyus Battle, Frank Howard and O'Shea Brissett. And that's not a bad thing. I, I, I know some people think it's bad to have three guys who kind of need the ball in their hand, but Tyus Battle goes four for 12. O'Shea Brissett goes five for 16. You're not going to win games when two of your biggest offensive threats are laying eggs on, on the offensive side of the ball. And a, a two for 11 shooting from three between the two of them is not going to cut it. Frank Howard carried the load there. And you, you got to... You got to really tip your hat to Frank Howard. I'm going to touch on him a little more in just a second. Five for seven from three really kept Syracuse in this game. He seemingly hit a big three whenever Syracuse needed one. And I'll get to my Frank Howard thoughts in just a little bit because it was the good and the bad. But Ty's battle, he said as much. I need to be better in this game. He battles the foul trouble. Then you force yourself into a hole. You're the third leading scorer in the entire conference, in the best conference in basketball. You're pretty much dependent on by your team to go out there and score 17 to 20 points per game. And quite frankly, if Tyus Battle isn't scoring between 17 and 20 points a game, I'm not confident that Syracuse is winning the basketball game. One for seven from three. He misses some big free throws down the stretch and you want to kind of blame the free throw shooting in this one because Syracuse missed a lot of free throws at the end of the game, but the Orange also made a lot in the early going of this ball game, And that's the reason why Syracuse hung around. And there were some bad things. There's the four-point play right before the half. They, they had chances to seize momentum of this ball game and just couldn't capitalize because of some silly mistake. And that kind of segues into Frank Howard. 7 of 14 from the field, that's great. 23 points, magnificent. 5 assists, that's pretty good. 6 turnovers. That's where we draw the line with Frank Howard because he does so much good stuff out there on the floor. He, Again, the 3-point shooting kept Syracuse in the game. Perfect from the line in this game. 4 for 4. You gave the assist that you needed. You facilitated the offense. You pretty much scored at will. You had some, Frank Howard had some nice teardrops in the lane. Those high-arcing floaters off the glass. But you're not going to win when your two, your two guards are combining for 11 turnovers. Battle has five, and he's forced to sit out for three minutes, which I can't remember the last time Tyus Battle sat out a close game. And then Frank Howard with six turnovers and seemingly giving the ball away in big situations when you had a chance to either turn the, the tide of the game, get yourself in it, give your team the lead, get a, a ceiling basket perhaps. 
It just it's starting to get old at this point, and you hate to blame Frank Howard in a game like this because without him, Syracuse isn't even sniffing this ball game. Brissett's having a bad game. Battle's having a bad game, and Howard is the only bright spot on offense. Yet he's turning the ball over half a dozen times. You cut your losses at some point, but you gotta wonder if he could figure this thing out. He he's he'd be a top three point guard in the ACC if he could figure out this turnover thing. And it looked like we were finally gonna get the good Frank Howard this year. It really did. You look at the beginning of the season. I mean, he had sure he had some hiccups, but the turnover numbers were way down for for a nice little stretch. But then he has the four against Maryland, the four against Kansas. Okay, nine against UConn, six against Colgate. They're they're not a good team. Seven against a bad Georgetown team. Five against Buffalo, although you kind of look at that, and I mean, that Buffalo group was very gritty. They were pressing Howard all night long, but it needs to end. It needs to end quickly because if you're turning the ball over five or six times against these ACC opponents, you're not going to win basketball games. You're not because this is the best conference for a reason, and it's because they play defense, they play offense. And they take care of the ball. And Syracuse, so far, they're only doing one of those elements. They're playing defense. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Rocky here till 10 o'clock with you on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. Recapping some Syracuse Wake Forest right now. And trust me, Syracuse's defense has been there all season long, it seems like. 73 points against Wake Forest, that's pretty good. You've pretty much held teams in the 60s, low 70s the entire season. But I was actually looking at this and uh, just looking up some Trey Young stuff because Trey Young's been amazing this year. If you haven't checked him out, you, you have to either record some Oklahoma games or just watch them live because the things that that freshman is doing out there is unbelievable scoring, assisting. You, you got to wonder how, how a guy like him can just change a program so quickly after you lose Buddy Heald, you have a down season. Now you got Trey Young who's been Unbelievable. But so I was looking Trey Young and I pull up the NCAA scoring leaders and I see number two in the scoring department. You've got Kendrick Nunn from Oakland, who Syracuse played earlier in the year. Number three, Matt Morgan, Cornell, who Syracuse played earlier in the year. Both of them at 25.3 points per game. So Syracuse has faced both of these guys. So and I remember that Kendrick Nunn did not have a good game against Syracuse. So I decided to look at what his numbers were and what Matt Morgan's numbers were. Syracuse shut these guys down. They held Kendrick Nunn to 12 points and Matt Morgan to 14 points. Both at least 10 points below their average. The defense has been phenomenal this year. It really has. And Pascal Chukwu's blocking shots left and right. The the rebounding's been unbelievable. Both the the scoring and rebounds per game are top 20 in the nation. It's just a shame that you don't have another offensive weapon because you could win these games like a Wake Forest. You're you're one offensive piece away from being a serious contender, not just in the conference, but in the nation. Can you imagine an an added offensive element of a guy like Quade Green out there? Or a Jordan Tucker, just get another shooter out there to keep guys honest. We're going to podcast about this, about the what-ifs of Syracuse's season 
with Quade Green and with Jordan Tucker, as suggested by a Twitter follower. So thank you. I, your name is blanking on me right now, but we, we appreciate that. Just stirring the pot for us right there. I mean, this Syracuse team is one piece away, and it's a shame. It's a shame. You lose Geno Thorpe unexpectedly. I really think you're going to miss Geno Thorpe moving forward. I know a lot of Syracuse fans weren't super high on him after what he showed, but he had flashes. He had flashes that he could hit the three ball. Yes, he did get in Bayheim's doghouse a little bit, but at this point, you need bodies. There's no indications that that rather Howard Washington is going to be playing more than five to seven minutes a game for the remainder of ACC play. Barama Sidibe is injured. Mark Dolajai and Matthew Mori go back and forth about who's having consistent games. You're rolling with six guys. It's tough. Now you've got a Notre Dame team coming in today who's also depleted, and I'll talk with Logan Grossman on that in just a little bit, but... You've got a tough schedule coming up. Notre Dame, Virginia, Florida State. Two of those games, the latter half are on the road. And you drop a game like Wake Forest. That's rough. That is rough. You needed this game and you dropped it even though the Demon Deacons did everything in their power to let you back in. Everything. They missed free throws. At, Wake Forest was atrocious at the free throw line in this game. 14 of 24. You look at the numbers from this game and you give them the factors of who Syracuse is and what they've shown you so far this year and you think Syracuse won this game handily. 18 of 23 from the free throw line. Great. Although you missed some bad ones at the end. Shoot 39% from three. 7 of 18. I'll take that. 42% from the field. The turnovers were about even, but you let Wake Forest shoot the lights out from three. Nine of 19, including some big ones for Bryant Crawford down the stretch. And then you also get out-rebounded, 38 to 29. That can't happen for a team that's ranked 16th in the nation in rebounding. Syracuse needs to be better in that department against these ACC teams if it wants to continue to prove that it should be a team that's considered for the rankings. Syracuse received votes in the latest poll. Unless you beat Notre Dame today, you're not going to be considered in that next poll because you've got some big holes offensively that you need to patch up. And it really all starts today, a game Syracuse should win. I'll talk about that with Logan Grossman on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, Tyler Aki. Joined now by Logan Grossman here on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. And Logan, I believe this is your first time on Fizz Radio this year. Is, is that correct? Yeah, it's been a long off season for me. Um, <laughs> you know, very busy this semester. I wasn't on campus, so I wasn't able to help you guys out uh, with this portion of Fizz. So it's good to be back, and I'll be back on campus for my final semester and ready to do Fizz Radio more often, get involved uh, as we get into the heart of basketball season now. All right, well, we're glad to have you back, and we're getting you back right at the most important time of Fizz season. That's basketball season, and... Today, we've got Syracuse and Notre Dame coming up in just a couple of hours, and this really is a completely different ballgame than we were looking at coming into the season. First of all, 
This is a Notre Dame team that earlier in the season, they won the Maui Invitational, got a lot of hype. They were a good team coming in. They they skyrocketed up to fifth in the nation at one point, including a big win over then sixth-ranked Wichita State. But ever since then, it's kind of been even-keeled for the, for the Fighting Irish. You look at some of their losses against a bad Indiana team, against a mediocre Ball State team, and then the other one being a very good Michigan State team that's now the top-ranked team in the country. But as of late, they're on a four-game winning streak, including a dominating win against NC State, a, a pretty good win against a good Georgia Tech team. And now this team doesn't have its two leading scorers, that we found out earlier in the week, no Matt Farrell for this game, and we knew coming into this, no Bonzi Colson. That's a huge loss for a team that really was powered by these two guys to catapult them all the way up to number five, and now they're dropping down, they're out of the rankings now. This is just a weird game for Syracuse, it seems like, and now it's being played in Syracuse, so almost advantage to the Orange, right? It almost feels like it. First of all, Syracuse is very good at home. I know they have one home loss to St. Bonaventure, but they, they've overall they played very good at home. They beat a pretty good Maryland team uh, on home four, and they completely dominated Virginia Tech, who in the past has given them fits. They haven't beaten them recently, but Virginia Tech has really been a team that Syracuse has kind of struggled with, and they just dominated them last week. Um, so I think that the fact that it's at home, and Bonzi Colson now, we found out early this week, broke his foot, so he's done for, for two months. Matt Farrell, we found out on Thursday, he sprained his ankle Wednesday night and he will not be ready for today's game. Mike Bray, after the game on Wednesday, said he wasn't sure. He had some swelling, we'll have to see, but he wasn't feeling too confident. Uh, and now it came the next day, Thursday, that he will not play today. Um, and you look at them combined, they average over 37 points per game. Uh, Fonzie Colson's one of the best rebounders in the country. He's the second best rebounder in the ACC, averaging 10.4 rebounds uh, behind only Marvin Bagley at Duke, who just does everything. So that's not even a fair comparison. So Rex Fluger, who I don't know if you remember a couple years ago. How could you forget Rex Fluger? And he put up some good numbers. He's going to be really important um, for the Irish coming in for Matt Farrell. Uh, DJ Harvey, a freshman guard who averages just about six points per game, is going to see increased minutes. Uh, the, the the Irish have a slightly deeper bench than the Orange, and they're going to need that uh, with two with their two best players. Really, there's no other way to put it. The two best players they have uh, not available for today's game. So it, it's starting to feel like a game where you look back and you're like, okay, if the Orange can win two of their first three, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Notre Dame. That'll be pretty good. Well, now Syracuse maybe lost the one that you would have thought would have been the easiest um, against Wake Forest. But now that the Notre Dame game is starting to look like maybe that's even one that going into the game you feel pretty good about. Yeah, it's weird how that's kind of changed. And I think we saw it a little bit with football in years past as well where there's a stretch. It seems like it's going to be super difficult, but you drop the easy one and somehow win the hard ones. And that's certainly the case now for Syracuse going up against a team that is, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, and yes, the, the tournament committee is going to look into this and say, okay, no Matt Farrell, no Bonzi Colson, Notre Dame's not a ranked team, but this is a game now that I think you have to take care of business, and this is a should-win game at this point. Obviously, you've got the advantage of playing at home. Syracuse has only dropped one game there, and it came against St. Bonaventure, a very good team that quite frankly isn't very far away from Syracuse, so not a super 
uh, not your real road type of game for the Bonnies in that one, but I mean this this should be a Syracuse this should be a, a win for Syracuse given the circumstances, given how well the Orange is at home, given that you, you're missing guys on the other side because of injury. Yes, I know it's it's tough because the Orange has not shown its ability to score this year, and you're going up against a pretty good defensive team and a team that can light it up on the scoreboard as well on the other side. But now this is just a weird game, and now you have to win this type of game, especially after losing to Wake Forest. Yeah, I think it's slowly... No, it's not. You can't say it's a must-win game because we're so early in the season, but it's starting to creep on that. Just because if you look ahead, after this, Syracuse has to go on the road for two games at UVA, who's a top ten team in the country, and then at Florida State, who's a ranked team. Just earlier this week, they beat UNC, so they're probably going to move up in the rankings. They're in the low twenties right now. By the time Syracuse plays them, they're probably going to be a top twenty team. So it's a uh, it's an interesting dynamic there of is this a must win i guess probably not because if syracuse wins this game you can't say it's over it's far from over but just looking ahead it's starting to feel like that uh if you're going to get the wins this is the one you're going to want and the one you almost expect to win um but yeah like you said northern dame is a very good team uh and they're a pretty deep team even without the two guys that we've mentioned matt farrell and bonzi colson who will not be available for the game today um they they uh and look, Matt Farrell, the biggest thing I think that they're going to miss from him is his three-point shooting. We all know that Syracuse does pretty well in the paint defensively, does pretty well inside the three-point line, uh, but they've given up, and historically, and they look this year too, have given up three-pointers to good three-point shooters. Uh, and Matt Farrell shoots 41.5-ish percent from beyond the arc, so Notre Dame's going to miss him. So the guy that really you should watch then from the beyond the three-point line is TJ Gibbs. Uh, who shoots over 47% on the season, averages about 14.5 points per game, uh, plays the most minutes on the team, 35.5 minutes per game. So he's probably going to be the guy. uh, He's definitely going to be starting for them. He's a sophomore guard, and uh, that's the guy that Syracuse fans should look out for. And if they're able to limit his scoring from the outside, Syracuse should feel pretty good about their chances. And the other guy you got to look for from deep as well is Rex Fluger, who... I looked at it, he, he's just a junior, but he's slowly starting to turn into one of those guys who you're like, that guy's still playing college basketball? I mean, he he's turning, he's treading that Perry Ellis and Trevor Cooney line right now, I feel like. He, he's just turning into one of those guys, but he's going to be around for a little bit longer. So, yeah, and Syracuse, we saw them struggle against Bryant Crawford on Wake Forest the other day. And Crawford hits a couple big threes late that pretty much seals the game for Wake Forest, even though it seemed like the Demon Deacons did everything in their power to try to get away with that game. But I want to get back to your point about is this a must-win game. I almost think it is, and maybe it's unfair to judge it like that, but you lost that game to Wake Forest, a game that pretty much you had in your hands for a while and I mean Wake loses its best player in the first half and now you've got Virginia and Florida State you can't drop to one and four or yeah one and four and go on a four game losing streak because Virginia and Florida State on the road are super tough games to play and you're gonna lose four straight and have negative momentum heading into a home game against Pitt you could lose that game if you come out flat and losing to Pitt pretty much seals your fate. 
And we all know that Syracuse just doesn't beat Pitt. <laughs> you know, Pitt, Pitt's yeah. not a good basketball team, but they've been a bit, not a very good basketball team in the past. And for whatever reason, Syracuse just doesn't beat them. It's a, I agree 100% uh, with what you said. You don't want to say Syracuse is not going to win one at least one of those two games, but if you're a betting man, there's no real reason other than blind faith to bet that Syracuse will beat either Florida State or UVA. Uh, UVA's defense, every year we know, they're ridiculous. They shut everyone down, particularly at home. Syracuse uh, gave UVA a tough game last time they played uh, down in Charlottesville, but they didn't win because UVA just had too much, too much on the defensive end, and then they hit shots late. Syracuse did upset Virginia last year, and we all know they beat them in the Final Four, but again, those games were away from Charlottesville. They were at the Carrier Dome. They were a neutral site game uh, in the Elite Eight. Uh, so, but so it's really hard to see that. And Florida State again, they're just a team that Syracuse did beat last season at home uh, as part of that huge run where they beat Florida State, they beat Virginia, they beat Duke. But they just feel like a team that these Orange don't match up well with. Uh, they have a lot of talented shooters, but they also have a lot of length, uh, and they should be able to kind of carve their way through the zone. So this Notre Dame game, it feels like this is a team that's. This is the best possible time to play Notre Dame. Now, sure, everyone's going to get to play them for the next two months without Bonzi Colson, but it's likely the Orange are the only team that gets to play them without Matt Farrell. Uh, Mike Bray seems very confident that he will be back for Wednesday's game against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. So this is the only time that you're going to get Notre Dame. This is the best time to play them. Uh, so there's really no excuse here. And, and Syracuse is just going to need more out of their big guys that didn't show up the other day. And this whole talk of no Matt Farrell, no Bonzi Colson, it's kind of got me thinking, where would Syracuse be if it didn't have a, some combination of Tyus Battle or O'Shea Brissett or Frank Howard for a multi-game span? Like, how, how bad could that get? That, that, that'd be awful. Like, you, you saw it, yeah. Uh, would they, would they break 40 points? I don't know. I mean, it depends how many times Pascal Truku can get to the line because apparently he doesn't <laughs> miss anymore. <laughs> but He's like Jerry McNamara yeah, out there. On Wednesday, with when Tyus Battle got in the foul trouble and he had to hit the bench, Syracuse had nothing. They had no, Howard Washington came in uh, to play the two with Frank Howard playing the one, and, and they just had nothing going. Absolutely nothing. So Battle had to come back in. Obviously, we know Battle didn't play well, but even with just out him, without him, Without O'Shea Brissett, I don't know. He opens up so much for so many of the other guys with his ability um, because not only is he big and long, and also defensively, I don't know where they'd be without those guys. Yeah, uh, Syracuse needs the length of long guards. They're not huge, but they're long at the top of the zone. Right. Uh, and Brissett inside, it's hard to imagine that this team uh, would win. What was the Bayheim? We wouldn't win one damn game without him, without Jerry McNamara, though, is that? <laughs> Ten games. They'd win ten games. We win ten. Yeah, that, that's probably what it would be like without any one of them. Much less all three. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that just over these last couple of years, Syracuse has really gotten blessed with health. And you look last year. Okay, they lose Pascal Chukwu, but they had a pretty deep team. And then this year, you you have the whole thing with Barama Sidibe. Um, but it's more that you don't have depth because you don't have guys. And you don't have trust in some of your bench guys. Like Howard Washington, I, I, who knows how much more he's going to see the floor for the rest of the season. That just, I mean, 
I think he's looked all right, and I think he does deserve a little bit more playing time, especially given the circumstances. But at the same time, he he hasn't shown you much. I I think he has one field goal or two field goals rather all season long. I have to double check that, but he's one for ten. One for ten. Yeah, I heard that yesterday um, on, on the broadcast. But I mean, when is he gonna kind of see the lights and? Mark Dolezal only played nine minutes yesterday, or rather on uh, on against Wake Forest, so th- that's always a little unsettling when you're not trusting him. And then Barama Sidibe is just not healthy. He's just not healthy. Yeah, he's got tendonitis, I think they said, in his knee, and he's wearing the knee brace. And, you know, it, usually those types of injuries are just about pain tolerance, and if you have a lot of pain, it doesn't matter if you're tough. <laughs> if you're not, it doesn't matter. You're just not going to play well. Uh, it's not easy to play through pain, uh, especially for a guy like him, a guy who's that big. Um, playing through knee pain can't be easy. An important part of a big man's game is his ability to jump, his ability to move inside that zone. And if he's having knee discomfort, it's just not going to go well. Um, and you can tell Bayheim wants him to play because he thinks he needs him. He probably does need him, uh, even though Pascal Truco has been so much better than he was early in the season on both sides of the floor, you need, you can't have Pascal Truco playing 40 minutes a game. Oh, you yeah. can't have O'Shea Brissett Big guys just aren't built for that. Minutes a game. Yeah. Big guys just can't, they, I mean, yeah, Truku 37 on Wednesday. Yes, he's looked better, but sooner or later, he's going to find himself in foul trouble. Like, we've seen yeah. him be a little bit more passive lately, it seems like, but he's going to find himself in foul trouble. And it's not going to end well when you've got to throw out uh, a Mark Dolajai who's six foot nine and and skinny as as sticks, and Matthew Moyer maybe goes down there. I I think you go O'Shea Brissett at the five just because yes he's six foot eight but he plays like he's seven foot. But, just like Tyrell Lydon. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Tough stuff right there. Anyways, I need one player from you that really needs to step up if Syracuse is going to take a win at home today against Notre Dame. The easy one, size Bell, because he's the best player, and he's the guy you look to. But I'm going Frank Howard. Um, six turnovers and five assists on Wednesday. You can't have more turnovers than assists if you're going to be a point guard. Not in the ACC. It's not going to happen. And I hate to blame him for that Wake Forest game because, uh, quite frankly, Frank Howard was the only reason they were in it, and I, I said this in the previous segment, but his 23 points were <laughs> a godsend. But six turnovers, and there were bad turnovers early in the game where Syracuse looked like it could seize momentum of the game maybe, and then he gives the ball away. It, it, it's just a never-ending cycle with him. It seems like Howard finally figured it out, and now he's averaging – over five turnovers over the last, I want to say, like nine or ten games. It, you can't win with him. Some days he'll have a great shooting night, like yesterday, or like uh, Wake Forest, and then he'll, he'll come out and, and give you six turnovers in the same game, and it's all for naught. Yeah, uh, Syracuse has always relied heavily on their point guard, um, and right now Frank Howard's not doing it for him. All right, Logan, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk soon. Syracuse and Notre Dame coming up later on today. Thanks so much for joining me, Logan. No problem. All right, coming up, we'll talk a little bit of Syracuse football recruiting news. One four-star running back just put the orange in his top four. I'll tell you who that is on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. 
Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki with you till 10 o'clock today. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook, and iTunes. Orange Fizz if you want all the latest and greatest Fizz content. And also on our website, orangefizz.net. Syracuse football. We just wrapped up some some basketball talk. Syracuse taking on Notre Dame today. But Syracuse football in the news this past week. Michael Salahuddin, a four-star running back from D.C., the number one player in the D.C. area. He decommitted from USC, and now he's including Syracuse in his top four, just out of nowhere. And this is big for Syracuse because... I mean, now the Orange is competing with the likes of UNC, USC, and Pitt for his services. This guy's got upwards of 50 offers, a four-star running back, one of the number four running back in the nation in terms of all-purpose backs. But talk about a guy who could absolutely change your culture in the running game. Syracuse struggled running the ball this season. Dante Strickland showed flashes, but... In the end, it was you were lacking something out of the backfield. Salah Houdin could absolutely change that. His nickname is Houdini because of the name, and if you watch his tape, you'll see why. This guy is unbelievable. He's actually high school teammates with Ed Hendricks, a wide receiver in Syracuse's class of 2018, and he used to play with Juan Wallace, who is a linebacker in Syracuse's class of 2018. So if that's anything, maybe they can try to convince him and get him to Syracuse in 2018 because this is a guy who could completely change your recruiting class. Syracuse really took a dip at the end. You saw the Orange really, I mean, you lose Tyrone Sampson on signing day. So there's a four-star gone. But if you add a four-star offensive skill position that will be around for the foreseeable future, that's big. We saw what a freshman running back can do. Freshman running backs last year, look at Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. He had himself a phenomenal season, broke the freshman record set by AP. I mean, you get a guy like Salahuddin to come into your program and absolutely revitalize the running game, because if Syracuse had a running game last season to counter to to balance out the passing game, that would have completely changed the dynamic of the season. Because you get into to close games at the end, and if you can't run the ball, you're not going to win games. You got to milk that clock. This is the best player in D.C., a top 140 guy in the entire country, and the fact that he's even considering Syracuse now is big. That changes everything. And if you can somehow lock down this guy in February, man, Dino Babers is absolutely changing the program. Absolutely changing the program. You still would really like to get a guy like Tyrone Sampson Jr. back, and it's not out of the question yet. But you get him, you get Salahuddin. And this February signing day could really change the tide of this class of 2018. You'll have three four-star guys coming in if you can lock down Salahuddin and Tyrone Sampson. Bring them all back. That's big. That's big for your program that desperately needs some help on the offensive side. Who knows what the receivers are going to bring this year. I know it seems like Syracuse has had a guy that seemingly steps in every year at the receiver position, but I don't know if I feel confident that there's going to be another one this year. 
They're young. They didn't show much last year. You kind of had a feeling Steve Ishmael would be great. You knew Irv Phillips was great. But this year, it's lacking, and you need an offensive weapon, and maybe Salahuddin is the one that can do that for you. And you're still waiting on Jawar Jordan and Akeem Dixon, both running backs in this class, but they didn't sign on signing day. You still need a running back to fill out this class because you officially do not have one yet. Salahuddin would certainly make up for the fact that Jawar Jordan might be leaving. He might be finding greener pastures because he just picked up an offer from Texas. And Texas or Syracuse, where would you rather play football? That's a no-brainer in any recruit's mind, if you ask me. So, Michael Salahuddin, some possibly good news coming to Syracuse football in this class of 2018. Who would have thought that February signing day would be this much fun? We're going to have a, a little Jawar Jordan watch, Tyrone Sampson watch, and now maybe Michael Salahuddin coming to Syracuse. All right, we'll wrap things up on the other side. Fizz feedback that's coming up on the score. Closing up shop here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki, we've got Fizz feedback time here on Fizz Radio, so let's get right to it. I threw out two questions on Twitter, some polls. Want to get your responses on that. So first, I said, do you agree with the decision to not redshirt Barama Sidibe? 77% of you say yes, 23% say no. And then we get one response from Zach at YankeesGod2722. Yes, if he is capable of playing extended minutes in due time. Otherwise, if he can only play 5 to 10 minutes at most a game, they should have redshirted him. Well, the way I see it now, if you can get any minutes out of Brahma Sidibe, you need him. Even if it's the three that he played against Wake Forest earlier this week, you need a guy like Sidibe out there even to spell a little bit of Pascal Chukwu because you can't sacrifice all that size in ACC play. You can't. You need bodies out there. You're rolling with essentially six guys at this point because Howard Washington appears to be phased out and Barama Sidibe is not healthy. So your only bench guy at this point seemingly seems like Mark Dolajai. And yes, if it means you, you sit Sidibe a little bit, get him some extra rest so he's good to go for the remainder of the season, so be it. You need healthy guys out there. And you've got a soft stretch in there. You've got Pitt and BC both at home. If you can rest up Sidibe for that, get him right, get him ready for the gauntlet that is the February schedule, then by all means, I think you're fine not redshirting him. But you need him healthy because you need anybody you can get at this point. Last one, which I think is the much more intriguing one. Which is going to make more of an impact on Syracuse's tournament resume? Is it a win at home against VT or a loss on the road to Wake? 61% of you say the loss on the road to Wake, while 39% say the win at home against Virginia Tech. I completely agree with this one. The loss on the road to Wake is a bad one. That was a bad Wake Forest team that Syracuse lost to. Virginia Tech is a good team, and yes, you beat them pretty handily, but so much can go wrong in Virginia Tech's schedule. I don't see much that could go right for Wake Forest. You've already... The Demon Deacons already have damaging losses. Virginia Tech, now you've got a whole ACC schedule in front of you. You're going to lose probably to some mediocre team at some point, and that will damage the Virginia Tech resume and then in turn 
absolutely damage Syracuse's resume because the Virginia Tech win just won't look as good. And you need good wins at this point because uh, anything you can get because you're going to have Miami, Duke, and UNC all in a row in February. That's a tough stretch. I mean, at one point, that was the four, five, six teams in the nation. They're still all very good teams. One of them very well could be the number one team in the nation when you face them in February. So you needed to win that Wake Forest game. You can't have bad losses, as evidenced by last year. That's what kept Syracuse out. No road, or the lack of road wins and the lack of, uh, and, and too many bad losses. So that's going to wrap it up here for us on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki, enjoy Syracuse and Notre Dame later on today. Thanks for listening.